0: Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life, and part of the Life Listened podcast network. I'm Karen Walrent, photographer, storyteller, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I speak with light seekers and light makers from around the world, learning all about how they live with intention and a sense of adventure. It's proof that positivity, creativity, and kindness make the world go round. I'm so excited to share today's guest with you. He's a brand new friend who I admire so deeply. But before I get to that, I wanted to welcome today's new show sponsor, The Princeton Review. Now, I've been a fan of The Princeton Review since the early 90s when I used them to prepare for the LSAT, the entrance exam I had to take to get into law school. And while The Princeton Review has always been amazing for college prep, they've come a long way, baby. These days, they have a product called Homework Help. Get this, homework help provides on-demand tutoring for middle, high school, and college students. What? You can log on and your kid will be matched with a tutor in less than one minute anytime from anywhere. The service covers over 70 subjects, from math to languages to, well, just about everything. And expert tutors help your kid learn underlying concepts of the subjects they're struggling with. 96% of students who used Homework Help said their grades improved, and many students reported that they had a higher homework completion rate and were more confident. I actually had a poke around the system because my daughter and Spanish are not the best of friends. And in less than a minute, I was matched with Ana, an online Spanish tutor. She explained that the tutors themselves grow through rigorous training so that your kids are sure to be matched with someone who knows their stuff. And here is the best part. I have an offer for listeners of the Make Light Show. If you or your kids would like to join the thousands of students who use the Princeton Review's on-demand tutoring every night, you now have a chance to try out 60 Minutes for free. Just go to princetonreview.com forward slash make light to start your free trial. Trust me, you're likely to be as blown away about this as I was. Again, that's princetonreview.com forward slash make light for 60 minutes of on-demand tutoring for free. Have fun. Oh, and one more thing, because people often make this mistake, the Princeton Review is not affiliated with Princeton University, just to make that clear. Okay, so now on with our show. Mike Reynolds is a brand spanking new friend. We met recently when we were both on a panel about the Me Too movement at the Dad 2.0 Summit, which is a conference that's all about the commercial power of dads online. Mike, who's an artist and a writer, he so impressed me, especially his thoughts on feminism, masculinity, and how they deeply influence his parenting style and the way he moves through the world. He also happens to be a huge cross-stitch enthusiast. So join us today as we talk about how he stands strong in his values, his love of cross-stitch, and why he has kids' drawings all over his arms. Mike, you sweet, patient, wonderful man. I am so happy that you're joining me today on the Make Light Show. Thank you.
1: No problem. I am equally excited that we are now <laughs> chatting together. <so>. I, <laughs> after
0: after much sitting here wailing and gnashing of teeth to get the, the tech stuff going, it's good to hear your voice. So <laughs> th- I love, I'm so excited about having you on the show, mostly because for every uh, person that I've had before, I've pretty much known them pretty well. And you and I are really actually quite new friends.
1: We are, Exactly. Which is awesome. Months months old at this point?
0: Yeah, something like... Well, so you and I both spoke at the DAD 2.0 conference. So it's a conference of basically father entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And and we were on a panel about feminism. And I just... You blew me away, right? So you're a father. You're a feminist. You're a cross-stitcher. You're the brilliant mind behind EverydayGirlDad.com. But that's kind of all I know about you. Like, I don't really know that much. I know that you live in Ottawa. So can you kind of... Tell me a little bit of your story, your can you're a Canuck?
1: Sure, yeah. So I I mean I've I've lived in Ottawa forever. Okay. Um, are you born there? I was born. I wow. was born in Ottawa. My my mom was born in Ottawa. We are <laughs> we are longtime Ottawans, I think is the the term that we've given ourselves. So nice. Um so basically, my uh, I'll give you a bit of my my writing story. For, sure. I've always liked writing, basically, but mm-hmm. for the longest time, I was interested in the um, fiction world. So I was a Monty Python fan. So I liked writing a lot of uh, what what I thought were humorous pieces. <laughs> and so at, at, when I went away to university, I started in journalism and then went into an English literature program. And then I actually had stopped writing and. As, um, I was dating Andrea, who is my, um, partner, I I was talking about how I missed writing and she said something about just starting a blog and this was about 10 years ago and I will be the first to confess I had no idea what she was talking about and she said, (laughs) yeah, you can just, you can go to a website right now, start one up and then just start writing. So I, I had launched, um, as like puzzling post because Stephen Leacock is another one of my favorite writers and all of his, uh, all of his pieces were, you know, double letter things. So Puzzling Post to me was the best. And I, I set out a project for myself where I would write a short story a day for 365 days in a row. and Oh, wow. I completed that, for oh, better or worse. <laughs> um, and then after 365 days, I was sitting there with 365 stories that I had no idea what to do with. And so that was when I I started making the shift from fiction to more... Um, life-based stories so I started right. off writing a lot of humorous that again I, I preface it with I thought they were humorous who <laughs> knows sure what everyone were. else thought but <laughs> and then when kids came along my goodness the the world of writing was it gifted me with with two kids that are never-ending with the stories that they have so at that point it just kind of shifted to Parenting related, and then as soon as it became parenting related, it didn't take long for it to become um, more social justice, social issues related. And from there, things have just continued to grow as, as I've noticed things that my daughters are faced with, and then I've started to recognize things that boys are faced with and mm-hmm. men are faced with, and then so the writing itself and the advocacy has just kind of taken on a um, I I let myself kind of wander to where I think a voice like mine could be useful basically.
0: Well, that that is exactly what I want to talk to you about, but before before I get to that, I just need to have to know, what happened to the 365 stories? Did you ever publish them?
1: Um, like put I, them in a book? Like I I didn't actually. I think they they all still sit online somewhere. You'd think that I would have this great emotional attachment to them, but I really somehow don't (laughs) right right I I I remember some of them um but for the most part like it's not that it became a chore because I did like writing and it certainly served the purpose of me getting back in the habit of writing but I I think um I didn't know how much I would kind of fall in love with the type of writing or sharing that I'm doing now so uh, almost every day the the old writing; it doesn't become less important, but it, I I don't really miss it as much. So. Right. Well,
0: so let's talk about this because the thing that um, you know, I I've, I've already declared my love for you several times uh <laughs> to your face and online, <laughs> and um and so the thing that I found really kind co- of astonishing, and it's astonishing because it was astonishing on one hand and astonishing because I shouldn't be astonished was your outlook on feminism and masculinity. Um, right. and, and I don't really, I can't really articulate why I found it astonishing because I don't find anything that you say something that I don't deeply believe as well. Um, <laughs> but I think it was just really amazing to hear on Okay. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to say it. It was amazing to hear a man say those things out loud. Like right. the things that you said were things that I've often heard women or mothers of men um, yeah. talk about mothers of boys, but I've never heard the kinds of things you say, um, out loud and so, uh, unapologetically. So can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on, uh, well, let's just talk about what it means to be a feminist as a man. Like, what does that mean sure. for you?
1: Uh, for me, it has been a, so I will give you my very honest story. Yeah. Uh, it's a continual journey for me, right. I've, uh, I, I've long battled the um, the idea of calling myself a feminist, not because I don't like the term, but because I feel I have so much privilege that calling myself a feminist without the action part of thing doesn't really do a lot. So it it depended Mm. on the space I was in, whether or not I would call myself a feminist, if I thought, like, I I didn't want to go into spaces with women and, you know, loudly declare myself feminist, because, I mean, it doesn't matter what I say, it matters more what I do. So, if my actions in that space kind of showed that I was a feminist, that to me was my method of doing that. If I was sitting around at a table where a bunch of men have this, you know, that stereotypical view of feminism as negative, it would be in those instances that I that I would call myself a feminist because in that I find it has more power to kind of change the understanding of what feminism is. and. So for me, it, it's been, and it, I I expect it will continue to be something that that changes over time as I learn more how I can use my own voice to, I, you know, further um, feminist mindsets uh, with the people around me. But it's never it's never been a negative to me. But it has been something that I I don't want to try to co-opt the term to say, hey, mm. I'm this straight white man feminist so everyone you know celebrate me because I'm talking about you know equality and everything so it just it's dependent on the spaces that I've been in whether or not I would use the term feminist to describe myself and I am at a point right now where I probably would call myself that in in most spaces now but I certainly do uh, prefer to to show and speak uh, my feminism as opposed to, Show and speak my title as feminist, I guess. So,
0: yeah, that's so that's such an interesting um, way to look at it. And for the record, I would call you absolutely a feminist. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I totally would. And, uh, and, but I love that that for you, as as you call yourself, you know, a white, you know, cisgender male, heterosexual yep. male, that yep. for you, the term feminism has to include, um. Well, I, I, you know, the, the, right now they don't talk about allyship. They talk about being an accomplice, right? Like right. they say yeah. that it's it's yeah. not just standing shoulder to shoulder, but actually doing the work that um sure. the activist work behind it. Yeah. Um, which, to me, I would argue that that is what feminism is supposed to be. Like feminism is supposed to include the activism part and the Sure, exactly. and the Stein So which is why I would totally call yourself a feminist. So so just to be clear because I I think there's a lot of women um I and this is something that I find really disheartening that there's a lot of particularly younger women who really kind of shy away from the term feminism because of sort of the negative com- connotations. You know, I'm not a feminist. Yeah. So I like men, right? Yeah. Which is I mean, you want to send me into a rage.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> say, no, say, I understand.
0: <laughs> say that. Say that to me. So exactly. So from like, if you were to say what, what, um, the word feminist means, um, how would you describe it? Like, you know, and how? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how would you describe yep. it in a way that maybe young men and women would understand what you yeah, mean when uh, you say that?
1: And I guess it is. I I can kind of give the exact because we we talk to our daughters about feminism so mm. they're six and eight and they know the term feminist so when when i think about it like how we talk to them about what feminism is and you do have to go beyond because i because like feminist frameworks go beyond just equality you know it, mm-hmm. it's once you get you have to and you can under you can discuss this with children too um the idea of intersectionality because just simply saying that, you know, men and women are equal kind of excludes a a whole, Mm. a whole whack of of people and cultures and um, different viewpoints. And for us, when we talk about it too, it is, it's understanding the work that we can do as our family to make sure that people who are oppressed and what, so I, I'm going to, Kind of probably go on a, a wild tangent here or whatever as, as thoughts come into my mind but yeah I love it um a term you often hear is you know you need to give a voice to people who don't have one and that to me has been I, I hate that term because mm-hmm. these people do have voices we just live in a system that suppresses those voices so mm-hmm. part of our role is to make sure that those voices um not that not that we take those voices but that we amplify those voices and that we express the concerns that other people have and that we work to understand the privileges we have um, aren't things we necessarily even deserve or have earned and it's uh, finding ways to to, to change and I, I don't mind talking to my kids about big ideas like they can change policy they can change um, like they can change governments. It's not, I don't want to minimize the impact that individual people can have uh, in making change. So whenever we talk about feminism, we talk about making, um, being kind to people for sure, but also, you know, being out there and being loud and believing in what you say and speaking that truth whenever you can, given the privileged opportunities that we have certainly in our family. So Yeah.
0: Wow. I, okay. So, so I, I love this, but the other thing that I really love about what you do and what your work has been about in the short time that I've been avidly watching it, right. Since we've met yeah, um, is you don't just focus on feminism, which I think it would be very easy for a committed father to do, who had only girls, right? Which yes. is what you I mean you you don't have any sons, right? You have you have daughters. Um two daughters, yeah. You have two daughters. So in addition to that work, you are also pretty tireless about about broadening the definition of masculinity and what it means yeah. to be a man. Um which is just so fascinating because I I have a daughter. I don't have any sons either. I just I have one daughter and I I'm really intrigued by how you're doing that. So, so can you talk a little bit about your thoughts around masculinity as well?
1: Yeah, this has become kind of my, um, the focus of my discussions or advocacy or whatever term you'd, you'd use for these kind of things is I had started writing about the things my daughters were experiencing. Mm-hmm. um, and how that looked to me as a dad, and that that what was what kinds of things
0: was, they were experiencing. Well, like... I mean,
1: I, th- like my three-year-old daughter had blonde jokes made about her and stuff, and, and <gasps> just the at three. Oh my god! Yeah, at three, and so just the the way that a girl would navigate the world versus the way a boy would navigate the world, mm-hmm. and I mean, there there are the the really obvious things like the pink aisles and the blue aisles, right? Um, the way we hold you know gender reveal parties, so like there was certainly. There's a lot of the very obvious stuff, and then um, while I'm being honest, like I'm, I'm certainly one of the people who just I grew up with three brothers as well. I just I didn't see the way that women experience things, which means I wasn't paying attention enough, right? So it, mm. um, as a dad, I was uh, in a position where I, I did see things more clearly, and that is once i started seeing these things it, it doesn't take too many steps to realize that okay we're raising boys differently um so what what is what does this mean like and so it's trying to figure out the connection between you know this 55 year old man making a stupid blonde joke about my daughter and so you start saying how does a 55 year old man get to the point where that is okay mm-hmm. and it's it, it's from the way we treat three-year-old boys as well and uh, I think part of where my shift came from—not that I—I—and it's not that I don't still talk about how strong my daughters are and try to, you know, keep girls in STEM involved in a lot of my discussions as well. But my daughters are so strong; they're—they're they're not looking for me to. Um, I want to support them, but without right. me being that kind of voice. But where I did see a place was, it was fine for my daughter to wear. A Batman shirt Um, but boys were being like it 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 wasn't the same for a boy to say that you know this woman basketball player is my hero and Mm -hmm. when you look in um, like when you look uh, through like clothes aisles you see uh, Superman and Batman and everything on girls clothes you don't see Wonder Woman and Raven and you don't see all of these other superheroes Translating to the boy experience. Mm. So we had an easier time Mm. Saying to girls you can do anything boys can without saying to boys you can do anything girls can and at that point I started saying to myself Where is my role here? Like what? What what am I doing as a dad to show my own kids and the people around me that? Your masculinity can be whatever you want it to be like you don't have to limit yourself to whatever people think makes you a man just you just enact the kind of gender that you want to be and it's tricky and I'm at the point now where I'm focusing a lot more on the things that do make me uncomfortable because it you kind of evaluate okay what about this is making me uncomfortable why am I uncomfortable cross-stitching in public um you know a a lot of these different scenarios you find yourself in that you're most of the time will just say oh I'm uncomfortable so I won't do it and at right now, I'm trying to find. Well, why am I uncomfortable? And if I am uncomfortable, are other men uncomfortable mm-hmm. as well? And we're just not talking about it. And so I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study why I'm uncomfortable, and I'm gonna talk about it because I can't be the only person who wants to do things and isn't doing them because I'm afraid of what people might think of me. Uh, and if what people might think of me isn't based, like if it, if it ends up being oh, well, I'm not jumping off buildings because I might hurt myself. That's cool. And then I won't jump off buildings. But right. if if it's – I'm not cross-stitching because I'm afraid that someone's going to laugh at me when I'm in the restaurant doing a Michelle Obama cross-stitch piece, then it's like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to sit in a restaurant doing a Michelle Obama cross-stitch piece. So right. um, it, it's kind of trying to understand masculinity and more specifically um, – toxic masculinity, which prevents, I think, guys from speaking openly and honestly. And so I sure. think that putting myself out there as someone who wants to do these things and have these conversations, I, I I think it kind of lends power to other guys to to do some of the other things that they would like to do.
0: Yeah. So I, I love all of this. And I, I, I so agree with you. But one of the things that, that I think is so striking about your work is that you not you don't just seem really sure of your values on these things but you you live them out loud and as you've intimated just now it that's a really vulnerable place to be like um like that's that's scary to finally go you know what i'm going to take a stand you could just very easily go okay i really think that um boys should be able to do whatever they want without judgment um just like girls and then just sort of quietly believe that like you don't actually have to go out and do cross stitching which we definitely are going to talk about because right like you could just totally believe that so um so one of the things that I think is that you or me can you hear that do you hear an alarm
1: uh I I don't there is construction going on here so there yeah no it's not you it's it's
0: something that's going on in my okay in my thing so we're we're gonna turn that off and I will have to let me just make a record of a note yeah. on where I just went off script there, because that was weird. Okay. So so what I what what I think is really interesting about about the way you do this is you could very quietly say, okay, I think girls should be able to do whatever they want, but I also think boys should be able to do whatever they want without judgment, even if that is includes things that are traditionally viewed as very feminine, uh, very feminine and not feminist, but feminine. Yeah. Um, you don't have to actually do it. Like you don't, you didn't actually have to go, okay, I'm going to cross stitch. And if you decided to get do cross stitch and you're like, you know, well, screw it, I'm going to do it. You didn't have to go to the restaurant with the Michelle Obama pattern <laughs> and do it. Right. Like, so yeah. my question for you is, how did you get comfortable with just doing it? Because I think, that's a really difficult thing for both men and women is, you know, they could say, well, I really love this, but I'm not going to do it where people actually see me do it. Um, so how did you get there?
1: I'll be honest. I'm not even, I'm not even at a point of comfort with a lot of this stuff yet. And still certainly I'll go out and I'll still be conscious of it. And it's more to me, it's more important that I do it than that. I, you know, feel some kind of fear. And it's selfishly a lot of it is because I mean I love to cross stitch at this point and and you're so and good I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to put it away because because of what other because I want to be out there in a restaurant doing it and again it's not it's, once I get to the point of this isn't harming anybody this is just something that I want to be doing so selfishly I'm gonna cross stitch in a restaurant because I want to cross stitch in a restaurant. Um, All right. Let's. It, let, it, it we've isn't... mentioned
0: cross stitch so much right now. Tell me. Tell me the story <laughs> of cross stitch. How did you get to the point where you're that you were like, I am going to try cross stitching?
1: Uh, I have seen over time. I I like to think of myself as a creative person. Mm. Um, I think that's fair. <laughs> and I have over the last few years seen so many amazing, uh, cross stitch pieces. And for whatever reason, the uh, I have never. I'd never really thought of making them myself, thinking that one I wouldn't be able to do it, and two that do guys really cross stitch? Kind of okay, thing but
0: So wait, so I'm going to slow you down even more. So yep. what was it about cross stitch that you thought was so cool? Like why cross stitch oh, and not the, knitting or not? The, you know,
1: uh, to me, I, I like the small display of a cross stitch piece, and mm-hmm. I also like the, uh, all, the almost the contrast of the. You know, it's a it's an older kind of hobby, not older as an age, but it's been around for a while. Right, sure. And I, I liked the contrast of something that is a traditional craft with a modern message on it. So mm. I, I kinda liked the way that that those two things met up. So so right. and I with a without without swearing here, I liked a lot of I, I, I liked a lot of swearing pieces. And there were a lot of cool <laughs> feminist pieces right, as well. Sure. And um so something about the the combination of old and new about cross stitching really appealed to me. Uh and the idea that in not too with knitting and stuff I I like the um I like the satisfaction I get from putting out many different pieces mm. with a cross stitch piece so it doesn't take me in doesn't take me weeks to put together one project at this point so I can put out multiple in a week. Yeah. And um I liked that kind of feeling of completion. Sure. Versus a uh, me taking, you know, 6 months to put together a sweater. Uh, right. <laughs> right. I just think it would take me a lot longer to produce that feeling of satisfaction if I were if I were doing a different craft. Well, um, the,
0: the, the thing that I love, first of all, um, for listeners, you share the patterns because you've gotten to the point now where you're actually even designing patterns and you share them I am, yeah, online, yeah. which I, I'm so excited about because you've got me so excited about cross stitching that I'm pretty sure I'm <laughs> going to be like doing a, cop- a couple of copies of your patterns. They're awesome. But what I also think is so... Um, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I, what I think of when you do your figures and you do a lot of superhero figures as, yeah. or, or literary or even literary characters, right. As, yes. as your subjects, but they look like old school, like the, the computer, like com- computer yeah, games, like eight
1: bit stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that ni- yeah. you know,
0: ni- those 1980s yeah. computer games. And I love that yeah. sort of, that the, the gaming kind of feel that these images have
1: is that intentional or it is very intentional i like that i certainly i mean one it's easier for me to to design things having been around for a month doing it to be at the point where i can design those um i just i do really just like that style uh the people that can do these lifelike representations that is wonderful and those people are amazing I have no intention of kind of veering (laughs) from this pixel. I I love the, the pixel idea. I just think it's a a really neat way to bring some of these characters to life and in not just not, not a childish way really per se, but in a way that, you know, brings out the the youthfulness of some of these projects because people, people see them and they smile at these little pixel people and it, people smiling makes me happy as well. So again, back to that part, I, I really enjoy that uh, aspect of it. So. Well,
0: the thing that I love about it, right, is that it almost, it's almost an invitation because gaming is such a considered a boy thing to do. Of course, there's amazing girl gamers. And so I'm speaking yes. of huge, horrible generalities, but <laughs> but gaming is such a considered boys, you know, I'm using air quotes thing to do, yep. that it's almost like an invitation for boys to take this boyish thing and try this traditionally girl thing to do. Right. Like it's sort of, I I love that. And um, I'm just, I'm just so enthralled enthralled by that. And the other thing that I'm enthralled by um, and was when I met you, the very first thing that I noticed were your arms because you were, you were wearing this t-shirt and we're at a conference. And my first thought was, oh, that's really cute, your, you, your kids, your daughters drew all over your arms before you left, probably as a way for, you know, daddy's leaving for a couple of days, it's a way to keep my kids with me, and you walked up, and I think my first words to you were nice tats, yes. but at the time that I said that, I was like, but they're drawings, and then after the words came out of my mouth, it was like, wait, we're in day three of this conference, and either this guy that doesn't shower there,
1: yeah. right
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you know that was some really great permanent marker so that's when i realized even after i said nice tats sort of like being ironic like oh your kids drew over you and i said that i realized they are actual tattoo reproductions of your girl's drawings
1: is that right they they are actual tattoo reproductions of my girl's drawings i do have actually a connect the dots tattoo as well where they can use permanent marker to connect the dots on one
0: of my tattoos <laughs> But that's awesome. These
1: ones yeah I I think I'm probably up to as I look at my arms right now uh, probably up to about 20 of their drawings at this point.
0: I mean so, if you
1: could if you could call
0: multiple tattoos on your arm a sleeve tattoo, you basically have sleeve tattoos that are individual drawings of things like harry potter i think you have harry a couple of harry potters i do have a harry potter
1: yep i've Um, got a harry potter i have a did you say you had a
0: a darth vader on your leg you were wearing long trousers so i couldn't see your legs but you have yeah i have a
1: darth vader on one of my calves yeah uh i have a ariel from the little mermaid i have a 13 colored rainbow (laughs) i have a a monster under the bed yeah there is no shortage of of kid work at this point and it it it's not stopping either. Yeah,
0: so. I, I love that. and I, I think you you mentioned to me as we started talking about it that often you guys will go on vacation yeah. and like they will draw something representative from what they loved on that vacation and then off you go to your tattoo artist.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's what we've kind of moved to. That's where I have the Ariel and a Mickey Mouse was from one of our Disney trips and then we were awesome. at Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So I have a Harry Potter one coming up and at Universal Studios, we went around Christmas time. So... There is also a uh, Grinch um, drawing that they did. So it is, it's It's become a not exactly traditional way to, to instead of having like a photo album to flip through, it's a look at this part of my arms or my legs or my... I am running out of space because <laughs> the, the, the thing that I, I've come to realize is my arms are so packed with them because... I like seeing them. And so I don't have any yet on my back because I can't see them. <laughs> mm, right. I, I kind of want to see these tattoos that I'm getting. So uh, I didn't really plan out to have this many of them. So there's no real strategy to how I've laid these tattoos out. I just go into the artist and they're like, where do you want this one? Like, Wherever there's space. Really. So, <laughs> so uh, okay. So I mean, it's been awesome.
0: I need to. So I. I this is another thing that, again, it's sort of. It takes the whole idea of the tattoo culture and kind of puts it on its head, right? Because especially people who have like full-on sleeves, like it's really about almost the artistry of the tattoo artist, I feel like, a lot of that. Um, And yours is about the artistry of your girls. Uh, Yes. I think it is a sign of radical devotion to your daughters that I think most most parents, I'm not even going to say dads, but most parents probably wouldn't (laughs) do, right? Like, like, uh, the other day, my, my almost 14 year old painted my, my husband's fingernails.
1: Right. right like he turned yeah. to
0: she she's really into into fingernail polish and makeup and she turned to him and was like can i paint your nails and like i yeah. watched him to see what he would say and he didn't even hesitate he was like sure you know and he just kind yeah, of handed yeah, her his yeah. hand yeah. and she, and she started painting his nails like i think like a navy blue like this you know like this color that you were not gonna miss right
1: <laughs> yeah and, exactly
0: and i remember thinking at that point you know like oh that's just so cool that he's allowing his daughter to do this. you know this is my husband like it shouldn't be the shock but i thought that's really lovely yeah. and and we had plans that evening like we were going out and she only painted sure. one hand so she he just <laughs> had like one hand but the other thing though was you know when he he works at a very corporate sort of very conservative job right like he wears a jacket to yeah. work and everything and so there was no question in anybody's mind all of us that he was going to take that off right like he was going to take off his sure. nail polish yeah. before he went to work because he would be judged by that and so the the fact that you put your kids art on such a permanent like let's come on mike you could just just take your kid's art and frame it and hang it in your house like there's no reason for totally you to make could. it permanent on your so yeah. tell me about your thinking behind why making it permanent on your body was so important
1: um i i i honestly i just i loved the the drawings and it, 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 it pretty, had nothing to do with a message or a fatherhood or anything yeah uh, it no it it did and not I mean it wasn't I didn't set out to th- this one isn't the same as me you know cross stitching or anything right. but it, it was a it was a way to kind of capture their development in mm-hmm. a in a different and unique way Um. it, it is a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a a jab at corporate culture I guess yep. um, Bec- and, and that that I was I was mindful of that. I very deliberately got them in places where people could see them and didn't yeah. really, I wasn't asking bosses for permission. I, it was mostly yeah. just, I want these on display. I want to see them. So I'm going to put them here. And then I was ready to, to, to chat about me doing that if it ever came to pass. And it never did. So it's certainly, I've definitely been mindful of where I, Put them and noting that not everyone has them, and I wear t-shirts all the time. <laughs> and so that so people, in Ottawa, people that's saying something and, in cold Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people see them, and I, I like, I want people to see them, and I don't mind having conversations about them all the time. And they, to nobody's surprise, they are big conversation starters. Oh, uh, a lot of people do. Yeah, have a lot of. Que- I mean, they're very kind conversations. Yeah. um but people do often stop me to to chat about them so
0: they're they're amazing so,
1: yeah and they're it's amazing. it's just been a load of fun to do it and at this point the girls like doing it so much too that uh, i mean i i don't even know at this point who's getting more joy out of it me or them and they've started <laughs> collecting collecting my drawings to get as tattoos when they're older so oh, they just you're started kidding. yeah That's putting so them great. aside whether they go ahead and do it or not it doesn't really matter to me but yeah, they've started to as because drawing was another thing that I wanted to try to learn this year. And so we've been doing a lot of drawing recently.
0: Oh, my God. Set I love some that of them so aside. Much. <laughs> yeah. I love that they're doing that. OK, so exactly, then this, is, too. this is another question that and I wasn't even planning on asking this question. But so your wife is Andrea, is that right? Yep. And you guys are yep. married. Yep. And you but you, every time I've heard you refer to her, you mostly call her your partner. And it feels, which I really love. Like, I love how you always say my partner. And at first when you said it, I assumed that you guys weren't married. And then I noticed you wore a wedding band. And I think you actually said, like, said wife at one point. And I was like, oh, he's he's making a point of calling her a partner. So tell me a little bit about that, because I love that.
1: That was another thing that, again, another intentional development. She actually started using the term partner before. I had, and I was the stubborn guy who's like, I know, I want to be called your husband or, and yeah. I had no reason behind it. It was just like, what am I hanging on to this for? It was so such that traditional argument of, it wasn't like we were arguing about who's taking a last name or anything, but I was right. sitting there thinking, why am I putting up an argument when I have no actual reason behind it? Um, mm-hmm. Partner again, just, partner to me kind of widened our like what we mean to each other. Sure. Uh, wife and husband has, I mean, I, I don't. It doesn't make me angry when people use those terms. It just, I think it. Um, I think people have preconceived ideas yeah. whenever you say wife or husband, and I think it sort partner, of connotes a again, role, right? It it, almost it does connotes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it puts you as someone's wife or husband, and it kind of, uh, intentionally or not, eliminates a lot of the things that you do in the rest of your life. When you say partner, it, like you said, it it kind of gets people thinking right away about what that means for that person. So it is a more, a more intentional way to think of each other um, as more than just, you know, the person who is married to me. It's also the person who I'm raising kids with the person that I'd laugh with watching Netflix. So <laughs> the, you're, you're just able to um, add a lot more, detail basically sure. to me with the, i mean the term partner itself is a pretty plain term but it it opens the the mind to more you know interpretation or yeah. extrapolation of what you mean by partner and and it takes uh, away that the gender times, role too, thing it takes it away does, that whole you're think...
0: you're a mother you know well not mother but this that she's the wife so that means that yeah. she, you can assume in our family, these are the roles she would play. And this is my husband. So you can assume. And that just sort of takes that away. I just I love it. And it's so funny, because it's, it's something that I've noticed over time, like, I didn't really think about it, other than when you said it at the conference, I assumed, oh, they, you know, they're co parents who aren't married, right? Like, they're not legally married. And then you said, at some point, you said wife, you know, my partner and my wife, you kind of did that. And I was like, oh, then they are, so he did. And then you kept saying it. I was like, oh, that's a, That's on purpose. And I oh, love yeah, it. It's
1: definitely. Yeah. And the other the other thing it does, too, is I think we probably talked about this in our panel, too, is we just live in such a heteronormative world, too, that. Yeah. A lot of times when I say partner, people will assume that I'm in a same sex relationship and oh, I'm right. not. But I don't care if people think that because people shouldn't be making assumptions about me based on me saying wife or anything. Right. So right. I like saying partner because it just eliminates another barrier of what does it matter if I if my partner is a man or if my partner is a woman so it does kind of alleviate a little bit of that uh, heteronormativity to just to say that relationships are relationships so um, it's another reason that we both do use it is it it's a small like a very small way to kind of shift the conversation away from man marries woman woman marries man to just say look you you can think whatever you'd like, and then if you want to ask questions, we'll talk about each other. Um, but it is just another one of those small ways that we think we can uh, shift that conversation. And my 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 kids both would say that me and Andrea are partners as well. So they yeah. they've also kind of grabbed onto that language, which I think is uh, I'm very happy that they that they see that way because they obviously. They tell their friends men can marry men and women can marry women and, sure. but it's that next level of taking that idea and practicing it in your conversations and everything that we're trying to move to as well so i am totally
0: gonna use that like <laughs> like my poor <laughs> husband's not gonna know what you know after 16 years of marriage i'm like this is my partner marcus and yeah he's gonna be like, exactly he's gonna be like are we not married <laughs> it is it is
1: it is strange. you, you do notice how right how people expect the term husband and wife and how immediately it kind of changes people's perspective it it it's like whenever you ask people how they're doing and they say you know what i'm actually not doing very well and it's not what you're expecting to hear and it right. kind of shifts your mind into an active like thinking mode whenever someone says partner immediately you're like oh wait a second what does that what does that mean so right. it, it just kind of gets people thinking a little bit more which is it's pretty neat. And it, I still, I mean, I've probably been using it for five years now and it's still in scenarios. I'm like, okay, say partner here. And I, right. I, I still say, I think I said wife yesterday, but I mean, probably 98% of the time I say partner and I'm, I love it. I try not to shift my language depending on my audience either. I try to just keep it the way it is. So.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I, 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 totally, I totally love it. Um, I, 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 I so i think my listeners must have, at this point be thinking oh this is why she loves him he's <laughs> it's <such laughs> a, it's so great so i i want to add before we go to our our little bullet round i want to ask you what advice would you give to men or women who um maybe have these really strongly held values but are sort of um reticent to change languaging or behavior to kind of live them out loud you know like somebody who's like yeah i totally consider my my spouse, my partner, but I would never say anything but husband or wife. Yep. Um, yep. And, and I get it. Or um, absolutely. I'm a feminist, whether or not you're a woman or a man, but are afraid mm-hmm. to, to sort of embrace that term or even more importantly um, behave that term. Sure. What are, what kind of advice would you give that
1: person? Now, I guess it's, it it's maybe easier for me to say this as an introvert Um but I think people need to get better at sitting with information that they process. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's default is to, they hear something and they're not sure they agree with it. So they express disagreement right away. Um, if, if the term partner is making you uncomfortable, or if it's not something that you would like to use, maybe just sit and think about why for a bit. That's like, that's exactly what I did. And, all I could come up with was, I'm being stubborn. Like, there, there, was no, <laughs> there was no social reason for me to want to do it. that didn't end up in, crap, I, I don't have a valid reason for this. And yeah. it doesn't mean that you need to start using it, but it's just understanding why you're being confrontational or why you're finding a need to express another opinion for something. Because yeah. you can certainly have differing opinions on things, you don't always need to get in arguments about them though. Like that yeah. you can you can have different opinions and 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 move forward, right? With with different opinions. So I I'm trying to be very mindful of that myself as someone who manages a website and stuff that can get pretty heated. I mm. I very intentionally hold discussions about topics that can get heated. And one thing I'm trying to do is you know, not read a comment and hit my reply all and then get the fingers just pounding <laughs> on a keyboard. It's, right. It's sitting and, and waiting to find, you know, a, am I looking for a fight or am I looking to educate or am I looking to discuss? And I think there there's an opportunity for all of them and there's an opportunity to simply say, like it's not anyone's responsibility to sit and spend time with a person who's not willing to engage in discussion either. And so it, for me, what I'm trying to do is uh, evaluate what kind of conversation I can have with people. If there is an opportunity to say, oh, that, that is a really interesting point. This is why I've expressed things this way. Right. Um, I can see what you mean by yours. And I do think, and this is something else we, that came out in our panel, is as a, uh, again, white, cis, uh, heterosexual male, I have a lot of privilege to be able to have these conversations without, you know, it devolving immediately into a name-calling match. Yeah. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I've been put in that position where people listen to what I say, and I am not the smartest person, but I've been given a position where people will engage with me without calling me names and without threatening my life. Mm. Um, I had better use that privilege for something beyond. Sailing through life, and um, I think that I think that where I am right now. I mean, it. I am. I'm 38. It's not like I'm a, a one of these Parkland teens who, who is right. Who is unbelievable at that right. age. I remember me at that age. I was arguing with my parents about how low I was allowed to wear my pants and stuff. And it, it, <laughs> these people are ridiculously amazing. And I don't right. think there's anything wrong with me being 38. And only getting to there at this point. But yeah, I am getting to these places. And I want to continue to learn more and share what I have learned.
0: I love that. I love that. All right. Uh, I could talk to you all day long, but we have to go to our bill. I'll pull it around. So okay. um, this is easy. I'm basically just gonna ask you some questions. And I want your sort of quick, unfiltered answer. Sure. Okay. So yes. um, like, easy peasy coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. See? All right. City or beach? City. Okay. Drawing or cross-stitching?
1: Cross-stitching.
0: Really? How come?
1: Yep. Uh, Because I can share it with more people. (laughs)
0: That's that's awesome. I love it. All right. Okoye or Wonder Woman? Uh, Okoye. Right? Me too!
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Read ridiculous absolutely ridiculous <laughs> that was one her. of the cross-stitch designs i just <laughs> finished her yesterday actually
0: so. i love it i love it <laughs> I, I am so i'm with you all right right there okay favorite male superhero uh
1: oh man jeez it's gonna show my uh, beast boy Oh, I don't even know who that is. Who is Beast yeah, Boy? Yeah, it's from, uh, uh, we watch Teen Titans Go all the time all right. in our house. And so part of the Teen Titans group. So, And so the, that would be Teen Titans Go Beast Boy. Okay. <laughs> all right. We'll have to look it up.
0: All right. Yeah. Something someone would be surprised to learn about you.
1: Oh, my God. Um, that's it. Wow, that a see I, I just gave it all away with all of my tattoos. So <laughs> now that I've discussed it all, I I know right, well, what's a tattoo to that like most a,
0: people don't see? How about that?
1: Um, my Hermione one now. I have okay. a, a really cool Hermione tattoo and a connect the dots tattoo. Most people I, yeah, probably would not know that I have a connect the dots. Tattoo.
0: I missed that one actually. I, did, yeah, I didn't. It's see it's another that one.
1: one. It's on it's on one of my calves. It's a oh right, Red so Man, you're like a, you were wearing,
0: dots, wearing so. trousers. So yeah, so exactly. that's awesome. All yeah. right, and then the two question my daughter makes me ask everybody: Pandora or Spotify? Uh,
1: neither. What do you? How I'm do you listen? A, to me I'm say? a Google Play.
0: Oh yeah, right subscriber. on. Subscriber. Yeah. Fair enough. And Facebook or Instagram.
1: Instagram.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay, and my final question I ask everybody, what does it mean to thrive?
1: Oh, to – oh, man. I was not prepared. i am probably get emotional talking about this one and everything. That's a great question. So thriving for me is the outcome of pushing yourself. Um, it doesn't it's it's not tied to me to um, success or failure it's tied to trying something and allowing yourself the opportunity to fail or to succeed so the idea of the idea of doing something versus winning at something
0: I love that so much Oh, my God. I knew. My instincts told me you would be an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being a Thank part you of so this. much
1: for having me. It's oh. so great to talk about this stuff. So. Oh,
0: you're awesome. Thank you very much. Mike is so awesome. And funny story, right after we recorded this episode, I learned that he did, traded a cross-stitch that he did of pie at a restaurant for an actual slice of pie. How cool is that? I'm so happy he joined me on the Make Light Show. And of course, I'm happy you joined us as well. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, Mike Reynolds, and check out his feminist t-shirt designs and download his cross-stitch patterns, be sure to check out the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And if you're talking about today's episode on social media, don't forget to use hashtag Make Light Show so I can find you. I'm Karen Walren, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime... Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss a thing. Thrive on, my friends.